Planet X, Nibiru, Megaquakes, Nuclear War, Martial Law, New World Order, FEMA Camps, Guillotines, Aliens, UFOs, Fallen Angels, Anunnaki, the Earth will never be the same again. And at that time, Michael shall stand up, the great prince who stands watch over the sons of your people. And there shall be a time of trouble, such as never was since there was a nation, even to that time. And at that time, your people shall be delivered. Everyone who is found written in the book, and many of those who sleep in the dust of the earth shall awake. Some to everlasting life, and some to shame. Lasting contempt. Dear Heavenly Father, we just give this radio show to you. Father, tonight we dedicate every word that comes out of our mouth, every thought that enters our heart, to you. We consecrate this radio show to the Lord Jesus Christ, your Son and our King. Dear Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus, we lift up every listener of this radio show. In the name of Jesus, Father, we ask for an anointing of the Holy Spirit to come down and touch and bless every listener of this radio show, Father God, that they are instilled with a with a bountiful grace, with a with a just instilled with a desire to serve the kingdom, with a desire to reach out and bring fellow brothers and sisters along with them to the kingdom, Father God, that every opportunity, every person that walks in front of us becomes an opportunity to witness. In the name of Jesus to the lost. Father God, we lift up the state of Israel before you. In the name of Jesus, Father, we just ask you to just dump down a powerful, protective energy around them, Father God. Your holy fire to just surround, round about your people in Israel today as the winds of war continue to mount and surge upward. The crescendo of war warnings continues. Lord God, we just ask you to just send your angels to take charge over all of your people, Father God. We ask you to send link angels down to surround the city of Jerusalem, the holy city. Father, as the time approaches, as we move into next week, as the Antichrist moves into your holy land, in the name of Jesus, we rebuke the forces of darkness. In the name of Jesus, we stand against them by the blood of the Lamb. In Jesus' name. We ask you, Father God, to show yourself strong before the entire world. Shake the earth as it were, as, as, as you see fit, Father God. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. In the name of Jesus, Father God, we pray that the churches will wake up and that they will understand they cannot sin their way into the narrow gate in Jesus' name. Father, we just pray that you dump down an abundant grace from your heavenly office to surround us throughout this entire radio show this evening and throughout the next several weeks as things begin to ramp up. Father, we declare that the crystal rivers of life wash away all of our soul scars in Jesus' name, that we remember not the sin from our past lives and 
dwell not upon it. Father, we declare the blood of the Lamb of God, our King Jesus Christ, to wash our robes white and sanctify us. And we declare in the name of Jesus that no weapon raised against us will prosper, neither earthly nor spiritual. For who can be against us if you are for us, Father? Who can be against us if you are for us? We praise your holy name, Lord God. Keep us steadfast. Keep us focused. As the devil tries to ramp things up in our lives, change our lives, fill our lives with earthly duties and 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 responsibilities and throws fiery darts at each one of us through members of our family and different variables that we don't have control of, Father God, we just pray that you will help keep us from the evil one. Keep us steadfast serving and waiting upon you, seeking you and your righteousness, keeping us ready, washed with the Psalms 51 hyssop for the rescue mission of the Bride of Jesus Christ. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Praise Jesus, hallelujah. <laughs> hallelujah. Praise God. Folks, let me tell you, if you had any idea how we scrambled jets, I'm, you know, no pun intended, or maybe pun intended, however you want to take it, but how we have to scramble jets sometimes, particularly before these Wednesday radio shows, you would just flip out. Praise God. Um, it's amazing. Um, sometimes we get the doggondest... Uh, you know, bowling balls rolled right toward us, coming from three, four different directions, and we're dancing around like a three-legged cat in a room full of rocking chairs, and it's unbelievable. Praise Jesus. Thank goodness for my holy oil. I put holy oil on my forehead. I put holy oil on the top of my computer. I said, in the name of Jesus, Father God, consecrate, consecrate this radio show to Jesus. And all of a sudden, things started working. Praise God. It was just a total blessing. But, man, let me tell you what. My hands are a little nervous here because we were just juggling, juggling. Hallelujah. I had to reboot. And, well, Wednesdays have been notoriously challenging uh, for the Blog Talk Radio folks. And uh, so we're hoping that we're not going to have any problems this Wednesday because uh, we're very blessed uh, to bring on uh, Captain Dale Black, uh, who wrote the book Flight to Heaven, which has one of the most amazing, touching, heart-wrenching, unbelievable, uh, just blessed stories about a visit to heaven. And, and he does one of the most, I think, one of the most fabulous jobs explaining the unexplainable that I've ever seen in text. It's just a complete, absolute blessing. Um, now, here's a, we do have a little bit of uh, some things that we're going to have to kind of wrestle with technologically a little bit later. Um, we're going to have to, we're going to try to call Dale at his house, Mr. Black, at his house uh, around about uh, two minutes till 9 o'clock Eastern time, which is about oh, roughly 45 minutes from now, give or take. And um, 
but uh, you know, Skype and Blog Talk Radio sometimes they're not real cooperative. You know, they, you, things don't work the way that you really hope. You press the button and you think it's going to dial, beep 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 beep, but it doesn't. And then you're like, oh gee, what do I do now? And you know, so we have a backup plan. And Kenneth is going to call Mr. Black on the phone uh, for us and and coordinate that way. Uh, should the Skype connectivity not work well for us when we try to bring uh, Mr. Black on the on the line? So praise Jesus. But it's it's a testimony worth hearing. Uh, folks, I just ask each each and every one of you to take a moment. Just, you know, lower your head before the Lord. Ask ask for his blessings. You will be blessed by this testimony, and we just want everything to go well. Uh, this is for the edification of the kingdom of Jesus Christ, um, and, and, and that's why we're bringing him on. We want, you know, we think it's real important in a world that's as full of darkness as our world is, as full of, you know, creepy stuff that we bring forward on this radio show to, to, to disclose the wiles of the devil. Uh, to prepare the sons of God for their ascension to the kingdom of heaven, the the first round of the sons of God for their ascension that would be the bride of Jesus Christ, praise Jesus, uh, and then uh, you know the second round would ultimately be. Um, you know the tribulation saints and potentially even more. So, um, so it's very exciting, uh, and I just wanted to let you know. Uh, so we're you know, say a prayer, and we will uh, rock and roll with the changes and press the buttons and hope that all these things will um, work well. Praise God. So um, anyway, hallelujah, and uh, let's go ahead and bring Kenneth on and see how he's doing. I know he was doing some juggling today. Are you there, brother? I'm here, John. You're doing more juggling than me, brother. I'm having just my normal juggling now. You're juggling a few chainsaws along with the uh, the bowling <laughs> pins and the watermelons. Yeah, praise Jesus. Yeah, it it sometimes you know it's just uh, you wouldn't believe it, folks. I mean, and you know, well, praise God. You know, it's just um, it's exciting. Um, you know, I, I the Lord has uh, created uh, in me, you know, a, a type of a modern day. Um, I don't know what you want to call it. You know, uh, I, I, don't, I certainly don't like to use myself, my own name, and Elijah in the same. But Elijah did hang in, out in caves a lot, and I basically have no life. So, in only that regard, am I similar to Elijah? Uh, that I, you know, my house is like, you know, I got no life, no life whatsoever. I'm blessed with a job. Praise Jesus for that. Uh, it, it, it's my tent making that uh, Paul was a tent maker, and my tent making is my day job. Praise Jesus. Uh, but uh, the radio show is is my life. You know, um, ministering to people and and doing what what we're doing here together is my life. It really is what I have left here. And and uh, praise God, um, praise God for that opportunity. Um, all of us are just totally blessed. Um, praise Jesus. All right. So hold on just a second. All hey, right, Johnny. Yeah. Johnny, I'm going to do something here. I'm going to hijack this show for three minutes, brother, and I want somebody to say hi to you. Hey, John. How are you? Are you calling down? You're on the air. I'm on the air. We're all on the air. You know what this week is, brother. It's your birthday, and we wanted to wish you a happy birthday, bro. Happy uh, birthday, John. Oh, no. No way. Hey, I, brother. Uh, that does we it. We love you You're so much. You're in trouble, man. We're, we love you so much, brother. Kathy <laughs> <laughs> got buzzed. Praise Jesus, Kathy. Now you know what it feels like. Yeah. <laughs> hey, hey, Johnny. Johnny, I wanted to I wanted to share something with you. Um, one of our listeners, he goes in the chat room by Dan Henry, is a very talented man, and um, he was so moved by something you read. It's two minutes, brother, and he composed a piece of music 
to go along with your words you spoke for two minutes, and I wanted to play it for you and the listeners. This man is truly inspired by God, and it brought me brought me to tears when I heard it. So buckle your seatbelt for two minutes, brother, and this is a birthday gift to you from one of our listeners, and I think everybody's going to be blessed by it. Here it goes. "'Twas the night before Jesus, and all through the house, not a creature was praying, not one in the house. Their Bibles were lain on the shelf without care, in hopes that Jesus would not come there. The children were dressing to crawl into bed, not once ever kneeling or bowing ahead. And Mom in her rocker and baby on lap was watching the late show while I took a nap. When out of the east there arose such a clatter, I sprang to my feet to see what was the matter. Away to the window I flew like a flash, tore open the shutters and threw up the sash. When what to my wondering eyes should appear but angels proclaiming that Jesus was here. With a light like the sun sending forth a bright ray, I knew in a moment this must be the day. The light of his face made me cover my head. It was Jesus returning just like he had said. And though I possessed worldly wisdom and wealth, I cried when I saw him in spite of myself. In the book of life, which he held in his hand, was written the name of every saved man. He spoke not a word as he searched for my name, and when he said, It's not here, my head hung in shame. The people whose names had been written in love, he gathered to take to his Father above. With those who were ready, he rose without a sound, while all the rest were left standing, loitering around. I fell to my knees, but it was too late. I had waited too long, and thus sealed my fate. I stood and I cried as they rose out of sight. Oh, if I only I had been ready tonight. In the words of this poem, the meaning is clear. The coming of Jesus is drawing ever so near. There's only one life. And when comes the last call, we'll find that the Bible was true, after all. Happy birthday, Johnny. We love you, brother. We love you, John. Dan Henry just put that together. He really wanted to bless you with that. You there, Johnny? Yes, yes. God bless you. Thank you so much. Yes. Um, thank you, Dan. Thank you, Kathy. Um, and everybody uh, out there in uh, uh, across the world, you're hearing, some of you, many of you are hearing for, for, for the very first time, uh, Sister Kathy um, uh, on the radio live. Uh, who uh, has been, you know, just an incredible blessing and has been working with us for years now. And, you know, she she deals with a lot of the pressure and the stress of coordinating a lot of the people that we bring on as guests. And, and, and it is stressful. I mean, it, you might not imagine how challenging some of these things can be. So well, um, anyway, just you. God bless you so much thank you kathy thank you dan thank you kenneth just um amen let's hope that we're not here much longer that we have to you know uh be surprised with too many more bowling balls praise god okay i'll say goodbye and get back to the chat room god bless you love you bye thank you god bless you too you got the helm captain all right well anyway i've heard rumor 
Um, and, you know, you can't really trust rumors. I understand that. But I've heard that Kenneth has been out there giving some funny, I don't know, unusual chicken feed to his chickens because I got sent this recording and this doesn't sound normal. What are you, you doing what? to those chickens? What are you, you know doing what? to those chickens, man? <laughs> I'm feeding them high test, brother. They're, they're eating high test grain. Are, are the, do, do you have a natural gas leak on that property by chance? <laughs> oh boy, bro, that is one weird rooster. <laughs> I'm t- no kidding. I, 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 somebody had sent that to me, and I was like, wow, that just fits right in with Kenneth and his uh, <laughs> amazing chicken farm there in the back there that we, uh, oh, we kid about all the time. I love those chickens. He goes back and. Gives me a call, praise Jesus. Uh, you know, he's back there doing his chores and everything, and I can hear the chickens back there. Bark, 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 bark. <laughs> you know, it's pretty funny. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Anyway, folks, today is a big special day uh, in the sense that, um, uh, you know, Petros Romanus is here. Now, I'm going to tell you straight up. I was not happy when I heard that this guy, um, you know, Jorge or Jorge Mario Bergoglio or whatever um, uh, would, uh, you know, you know, I was counting on, you know, one of the guys that had, you know, Peter in their name. Okay, now I realize that that's not a requirement. If you go back and study all of the various prophetic pope utterances from Saint Malachi you will discover that it's more the names that they were given by Saint Malachi was were were more I don't know symbolic slash metaphorical in reference to what they did prophetically and such like that. It wasn't necessarily always tied to their geography or or their name or whatnot. Okay. But we did have two candidates. One of them was that Bertone or Butoni guy uh, who had the middle name of Pietro. And uh, and then we had that other fellow, Peter Turkson or Turksis, whatever, uh, and, uh, you know, from, I believe it was Ghana, and uh, uh, Gahana or whatever. I hope I pronounced that right. Anyway, praise Jesus. And he, you know, those those guys were shoo-ins from, from the name Peter standpoint, right? So when this guy Mario Bergoglio or whatever came up, I was like, what's up with that? And anyway, so what I'm going to do is I'm going to read to you a, let's just call it an official press release uh, from the Thomas Horn, Chris Putnam operation. They're the author and co-author of the book Petrus Romanus, The Last Pope is Here. It's an excellent, excellent book, by the way. Praise Jesus. And I'm going to read this to you. Petrus Romanus is here. This is their press press release. And it says, quote, This is a rush script from Raiders News Update, and we'll be able to give you more information as we analyze this fantastic fulfillment of prophecy. Now, granted, in my world, I, I didn't care if it was Pope Kangaroo, you know, Captain Pope the Kangaroo. I would have been fine with it because the last pope is the last pope is the last pope. So if you if you're going to, you know, take Malachi as a legitimate prophet and that as a legitimate prophecy and it certainly seems as though what well, it was legitimate because he nailed it for over, you know, so many various papacies. Okay, now that being said, 
just by looking at the sheer count and knowing that we were on the last pope, that this iteration had to be the last pope. So at that point, if it's Captain Kangaroo, really, who cares? Let's just get on with it, right? Amen? Praise Jesus. Let's get on to the rapture of the bride of Jesus Christ. Let's get out of here. Let let you know, let the Great Tribulation, let's keep praying for people and bring everybody along as, as much as we can. But it's time. You know, it's time. We're in that age. Praise Jesus. So, but anyway, I'm going to go ahead and read this. Number one, quote, to start with, remember, as we have told audiences repeatedly, the only thing needed to fulfill the prophecy of the popes would be a cardinal of I Italian descent. Okay, so here Horn maintains that the Romanus uh, should indicate Italian descent. And he goes on to say, and the new pope, uh, Jorge Mario Bergoglio, is the son of Italian parents. E.g., he's saying they're Roman. So praise Jesus. That's Excellent. Thank you, Jesus. Number two, even more important is that he is the first Jesuit pope ever, uh, or at least for a very, very long time as we are researching this, he says. And this is very important aspect of the prediction in our book because we said that the name Petrus Romanus from the prophecy implies this pope will reaffirm the authority of the Roman pontiff over the church and will emphasize the supremacy of the Roman Catholic faith faith and the Roman Catholic Church above all other religions and denominations and its authority over all Christians and all peoples of the world. Petrus Romanus, pages 437 to 438. Concerning the Jesuits, their order was organized to, quote, stop Protestantism from spreading and to preserve communion with Rome and the successor of Peter. And he goes on to say, the 35th General Congregation of the Society of Jesus convened on, he's reading, this is a quote from Wikipedia, by the way, the 35th General Congregation of the Society of Jesus, that's the Jesuits, con convened on 5 January 2008 and elected Father Adolfo Nicolás as the new Superior General on 19 January 2008, a month after Pope Benedict re received members of the General Congregation and urged them to, quote, to continue the path of the mission of full fidelity to your original charism, and ask them to reflect so as to rediscover the fullest meaning of the characteristic fourth vow of obedience to the successor of Peter. Okay, so evidently this is a quotation uh, from the 35th General Congregation of the Jesuits, and during that they had actually made this a successor of Peter, hence the term Peter the Roman, uh, e.g. Uh, this successor of Peter uh, from uh, Italian descent. Okay, so that's uh, the understanding of the, of the meaning of this Peter the Roman as it applies to the prophecy. Praise Jesus. So, I'm like Captain Kangaroo, Peter the Roman, Bertoni, whatever. Praise Jesus. Hallelujah. Let's, well, let's just pull the audience and see if people are happy with Tom Horn's conclusion. And, oh, <laughs> I knew it. Look at that. Look at that. Everybody's cheering. Praise God. Huh? Kenneth? Praise uh -oh. God, brother. Praise God. I'm here. I had my mute button on. <laughs> <laughs> what? Your mute button? That does it. <laughs> then you're like talking into a muted microphone. What's I was, and I'm thinking, what's going on? That's no, that's, you know what? 
this is all coming together. We talk about this on so many shows, and it's coming together in so many ways, John. I mean, I mean, this stuff with the Pope, all the things in the Middle East, Obama being over there, and then the sinkholes. Did you hear about the one in Illinois? There's another sinkhole. It swallowed a golfer. It swallowed a golfer, brother, yesterday. I mean, these sinkholes are popping up all over the place now. Well, oh, yeah, amen. I mean, if you think about how, you know, again, uh, two Sundays ago, I guess it was, or I don't know, I lose count. It's the, My whole life is a blur, praise God. But I believe it was uh, March the 3rd, we had, um, a, you know, uh, 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 gosh, wow, I'm drawing a blank. But we had a doctor... Um, on the show. <laughs> Kenneth, Doc Jack Van Impey, help me. Don't buzz me. Don't don't buzz me. <laughs> Preston Bailey, Dr. Preston Bailey. Thank you, Kenneth. Uh and and he came on the show and we have a, even an audio clip of that, which is awesome. It just moved across the internet like a virus. Um people were copying it and sending it out to all of their listeners. It was a blessing. But he had even supported his belief, Dr. Dr. Bailey, uh who's a spiritual warfare specialist, that Planet X indeed is the the real deal. Uh that we are in a binary star system. Amen. Praise Jesus. That the ancient Sumerians weren't telling a fib and they weren't just scribbling nonsense on their uh, tablets and in, in their ancient writings that that they were doing what they thought was right to do and for the time and whatever and uh and they and and the information was as brother zen garcia maintains ultimately historical data amen and i support that a hundred percent okay um you know of course we don't support you know all their beliefs but praise god we we you know you have to discern that and 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 ta- and look at the data look at all the data praise god and uh, so um you know you've got the planet x dynamic that's going on with the with the and the reason i bring that up in regard to the uh, these sinkholes is because the, the earth, if you read Isaiah 24, the judgment upon the earth, um, um, uh, the um, uh, whole earth crust, I mean, the crust wobbles, uh, it, it, you know, like a drunkard. I mean, just read Isaiah 24. It's amazing. And that's just part of the judgment upon the earth. There's there's uh, prophetic text sprinkled all throughout the Bible. And um, and uh, it ta- talks, I mean, what we're dealing with is basically a, a realization of the uh, uh, Velikovsky uh, postulations. And, and he, you know, has done uh, numerous writings on what could happen with the earth and, you know, with a pole shift. And if you read Revelation 6.12, which is the, you know, the actual manifestation of of the worst part of the sixth seal, the manifestation of the sixth seal, it even goes as far, amongst other things, the rolling up of the, uh, just the bad stuff, Earth, mega quake, uh, the earth rolling, the sky rolling up like a scroll, uh, comets falling, you know, stars from the heaven like a fig tree, and then you have I- and islands and mountains being moved out of place, out of place. Well, if they're moved out of place, that's a pole shift. Praise Jesus. And so these sinkholes are, are the crust, the crust of the earth, the tectonic plates are shifting, which is ultimately going to lead to the David Wilkerson vision. That was uh, the name he gave the book, The Vision, in 1973. Also, Joel Brandt in 1930s came, had an incredible vision, vivid, detailed vision from the Lord on a mega quake in California. Um, it, the list just goes on and on of the confirmations. Never mind the thousands of YouTubers out there in tears right now trying to warn the the world uh, that that these mega quakes are about to happen at any time. 
praise Jesus. So, you know, these sinkholes are all connected to that judgment, that forthcoming judgment upon the earth, which the Heavenly Father, which our Father, is going to ultimately uh, cause to happen on his timing uh, as, a re- as a net result of the various interplay of this, you know, you can call them hyperdimensional torsion fields, uh, plasma electric universe, uh, you can call it gravity troughs, like this uh, fellow Terrell 3 calls them, whatever. The point is, we've got a solar system, a foreign solar system, as astrophysicist Jim McCanney uh, puts it, moving into our solar system. It's already here, folks. It's already here. Praise God. Just type second sun, Nibiru, planet X in the in the YouTube, and you'll be busy for the next six months. Praise Jesus. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. So, Kenneth? Yeah, you know, John, on top of all the stuff you just talked about, how about this comet pan stars that we're going to be able to see here across North America at the end of March? I mean, these things are happening like, how's that go in Revelation? Rapid fire succession? Brother, I'm over 50 years old. I have never seen or remembered all these weird things happening from the dead pigs in that river in China. That's biblical, brother, to these things in the sky, to this political unrest, to all the stuff in the Vatican. You know, we could go on and on and on here, but this isn't normal, brother. Oh, yeah, amen. It's not normal. It's not normal. Praise Jesus. Um, And, you know, we have... um, uh, we have uh, this headline that just came out uh, over the last couple of days. Quote, nearly six, this is a headline, nearly 6,000 dead pigs are found in the Shanghai River. Now, uh, this is in China. Now, you know, there's a lot of speculation out there. I even, you know, quipped with uh, the folks behind the scenes and I said, gee, I'd like to know uh, what evangelical teams, what Pentecostal, uh, you know, uh, Assembly of God, non-denominational, Curry, Blake, uh, John D. Lake Ministries type teams are over in China right now, nearby Shanghai, casting demons out in the pigs, because that's a lot of dead pigs, praise God. And uh, it's just fascinating that, that the pigs that Jesus cast, you know, the legion uh, was cast, you know, in a, you know they, they asked Jesus if they could be spared and go into the pigs, and the pigs drowned themselves immediately. So, um, wow. Uh, so, again, 6,000 dead pigs found in the Shanghai River. I mean, come on. This this is not normal. This is very unusual. Something biblical is going on. It's not normal. This is disturbing. Praise Jesus. And earthquakes, disasters, and the splitting of Israel. Okay, we've got, um, this is just a couple of snippets from uh, an article uh I don't know the name. I'm sorry, folks. I was so busy. I wish I could. And Kathy, you can type it into the the instant messenger there for me if you don't mind. The name of the lady who you, who you really like who put up this list, August 23rd, 1992. Uh, now, this has been out there. This is information that that prof, people at prophecy conferences bring out. So this is not you know new information, but nevertheless, very very interesting. Donna Wasson uh, was the name. Thank you, Kathy. God bless you. Uh, was the name of the lady who put it on Rapture Ready. But listen to this. And, you know, discern, discern, not necessarily all of these things were an act of God, but, you know, I kind of, I think the Lord's hand is on, you know, he, Revelation 4.11 pretty much says it all. Okay, as a matter of fact, if you look at Revelation 4.11, and you look at it with the King James especially, thou art worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power. For thou hast created all things, and for thy pleasure they are and were created. 
Praise God. And then Psalms 29 talks about how the Lord manipulates, you know, the weather, lightning, all kinds of things, you know, to for his purposes. Praise Jesus. August 23, 1992, the Madrid Conference was held in Washington, D.C., which naturally included the American pressure on Israel to give up land and other concessions to the Palestinians. That was also when Hurricane Andrew broke out. January 16, 1994, President Clinton met with the Syrian president in Geneva. They discussed a peace agreement with Israel, which included giving up the Golan Heights. Less than 24 hours later, an earthquake measuring a 6.9 hit Southern California. March 1st, 1997, PLO leader Yasser Arafat toured America on the way. On that very day, he set foot on the United States soil. Tornadoes devastated large sections of Texas, Arkansas, Tennessee, Kentucky, Mississippi, as well as parts of North and South Dakota. September 28, 1998, as President Clinton meets with Netanyahu and Arafat at the White House to finalize an agreement in which Israel would relinquish 13% of Judah and Samaria, Hurricane George hits the Gulf the same day. And it stalls. As soon as Arafat leaves the U.S. soil, the storm begins to break out, break up, but not before, causing billions of dollars worth of damage. May 3, 1999, was the date that Arafat was supposed to declare the Palestinian state with Jerusalem as its capital. That same day, one of the most powerful tornado systems ever to hit America swept across Oklahoma and Kansas. October 1999. As Jewish families were being evicted off of their God-given land, the Dow Jones lost 266 points and a hurricane hit North Carolina on October, 5th, October the 15th. August 22, 2005, President George W. Bush pressured Israel to evacuate the Gaza Strip. 8,000 Jewish families were forcibly removed from their rightful homes. Exactly one week later, on August 29th, a Category 3 Hurricane Katrina hit Louisiana, Mississippi, and Alabama. And May 19, 2011, Obama agreed with the PLO that Israel must return to the 1967 borders, despite Israel's objections that doing so would be tantamount to committing national suicide. Three days later, on May 22nd, the deadliest string of tornadoes to hit this country since 1953 tore up Joplin, Missouri. Wow. Praise Jesus. Are you serious? Something biblical is going on with the signs of the second coming of Christ. Praise Jesus. I love Paul Bagley. Kenneth? You know, John, like, like Paul told the Colossians in one sixteen, for by him were all things created that are in heaven and that are on earth, visible and invisible, whether they be thrones or dominions or principalities or powers, all things were created by him and for him. And all knees will bow before the Lord Jesus Christ in, in his name. You know, they're going to bend that knee, or that knee's going to be broken by a rod of iron, brother. But one way or another, that knee's going to bend. So praise Jesus. He's king. Oh, amen. Praise God. Folks, in the headlines, we, you know, we're going to be uh, dialing in uh, Captain uh, Dale Black here real shortly. And we're also bringing on Sammy Mwangi from the Democratic Republic of the Congo. He's, a, he's the chief representative for PipesInternational.org, so we'll be bringing him on real quick. Praise Jesus. 
All right, we haven't heard from him in a while, and they just have an awesome, blessed ministry over there, just feeding starving little kids. It's just awesome. Um, what they do is just absolutely amazing. Praise God. Now listen to this, folks. This is powerful. I, you know, we don't have a lot of time to put out all the headlines, but here's some. Here, listen to this. You know what? Um, you know, they say a picture's worth a thousand words. Well, sometimes a minute's worth of audio is worth a thousand words. This is what's been going on over in the heart of the Jerusalem West Wall area. Okay, uh, over the last week. Okay, so let's just take a listen. gosh praise jesus amazing the uh arab uprising on the temple mount i mean this is the stuff that they're dealing with over there and and uh i don't know if you folks that if if anyone has had a chance to see that on our facebook page <clears throat> you know again facebook.com forward slash tribulation now one word no hyphen praise god um wow um so again listen to this headline hamas declaration of war if obama visits the temple mount <laughs> i mean Really? Wow. Hamas is warning that if President Obama visits the Temple Mount, it would be a declaration of war against the Islamic world. Israel, Israel National News reports the terror group made the threat during a protest uh, uh, march at the religious site following riots on Friday. Well, you just heard the riots. Praise Jesus. All right. Also, uh, this is an article entitled Boiling Point, Violence Mounts in West Bank, Gaza in lead up to Obama's visit. All right. Unrest is growing in the Palestinian territories ahead of President Barack Obama's first visit to Israel on March 20th. Riots and protests, ha protests have erupted throughout the West Bank and Gaza Strip in recent days. And it goes on to talk in detail about that. Um, this is unbelievable. Okay, then listen to this. I think this, this merits bringing forward, particularly because a lot of the earliest and in some cases most accurate intel is information that comes in uh, from uh, – other parts of the world, that's why Twitter and social media and Facebook, particularly Twitter, and also uh, Godlike Productions um, has a lot of people out there who have a wide range of beliefs. There's a lot of Christians out there that monitor it as well. Uh, and, you know, intelligence comes in through those places. And so I'm just going to read, you know, and again, just like Twitter, you don't know. You know, you don't know if these people are telling the truth, but what you don't want to do is throw the baby out with the bathwater. 
So we bring to you all the data. We, you know, we can't sit here and and tell you, well, this person said this bad word on March 15th and 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 this person doesn't believe in Jesus and you know we're not going to sit here and tell you every little detail about the person's history and then take all the data that they are bringing forward and throw it in the trash that's that's not a good watchman a good watchman looks at all the intel. You know, our, our counterintelligence people in the military, uh, that's what you do. If you're a counterintel person or if you're an intelligence person, you monitor the forces of darkness. You listen to what they're saying, and you have to discern and pray about it and try to figure out what's the truth and what isn't. And you're not always going to bat 500, folks. Praise God. But anyway, listen to this. So this comes out of um, – this is an anon- was an anonymous posting on Godlike Productions like yesterday. It might have even been today. No, it was yesterday. Praise Jesus. I'm going to read this. It says, okay, I don't care if you believe me or not or if you do, congrats, do not feel – uh, or do 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 not feel free to flame me. Okay, so the person's basically telling people, you know, if you don't like what I have to say, whatever. And he goes on to say, quote, My uncle told me that this North Korean threat is much bigger than it appears. Apparently, diplomatic cables have been obtained by the United States in which China has given North Korea the green light to confront the South due to escalations between Japan and China. Currently, United States Navy and Air Force are conducting high-level drills in preparation for a potential war in the region. That's a fact. Praise Jesus. He goes on to say, quote, A large area of concern is satellite imagery has shown eye-raising transportational patterns and flights, uh, flight-wise in particular, you know, jets and planes and cargo planes, moving back and forth between China, North Korea, Iran, and Russia. Word is the United States is taking this very seriously due to the intelligence gathered that North Korea is baiting the U.S. to increase their presence and then be out of position and formation for the confrontation between China and Japan. Praise Jesus. All right, and then it goes on. We have another article here. It says, North Korea forces await final strike order from Kim Jong-un. Also, folks, I'm just letting you know, I, I uh, uh, don't have the audio available. Here, I, I, you know, I, I'll tell you what. Let me take a look at the clock. No, we're getting real close to having to bring on Sammy. So we'll probably go ahead if, if, the, <laughs> if the North Korean conflict is not kicked off. But I, I think it's appropriate to let everybody know, even though I don't have the audio queued up right at the moment, that um, uh, that Dr. David O'Rourke, in a visit to South Korea back in 2010, okay, and hopefully during the next show on uh, Sunday the 17th, we'll be able to cue that up and play that for you, okay? But that that clip, he talks about multiple visions given to him by our Heavenly Father, and he t- he sees missiles. A rain of missiles. Now, what's critical to understand is Dr. O'Rourke also refers to this as, quote, the turning point. The turning point. And he goes on in his vision and says he sees multiple missiles raining down from above, and he sees them, some, you know, a large portion of them hitting a large United States ship. 
And he even mentions that it could be a carrier, a, an aircraft carrier. But he didn't sound absolutely positive. And then he goes on to say that other truck-mounted missiles he could see mounted on the back of a truck were being fired from North Korea into South Korea with a very specific target in mind. Okay, so folks, you know, if that is the turning point, then we need to keep our eyes very close on what's going on with with uh, China uh, and Korea and Iran and Russia. Evidently, if this intelligence is correct, then things are starting to heat up really, really big. And at any time now, uh, you know, all hell could potentially break off, break loose over in North Korea versus South Korea versus the United States versus China versus Japan over the disputed islands versus Russia because it's in their territory. And the list just goes on and on. And if Dr. O'Rourke is correct, that would potentially be the turning point for World War III. At that point, perhaps... The vision of Dr. David O'Rourke, where he saw the two nuclear, tactical nuclear missiles being fired into the Fordow facility at the base of a mountain and this humongous flame of fire. All right, praise God. Humongous flame of fire, he says, uh, 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 coming out of the mountain, the base of the mountain. At that point, if it's true, and if that vision of Dr. O'Rourke's uh, was interpreted accurately, and indeed it was a tactical nuke, two tactical nukes being shot by an Israeli jet into the base of the Fort Al facility at the base of the mountain. If that happens, it stands to reason powerfully that at that point Russia would retaliate directly against the protectorate of Israel, which is the United States. And Revelation 18 would become a fulfillment of prophecy, Jeremiah 51, and Babylon the Great would be destroyed by fire in one hour. Praise Jesus. All right, so again, here's another report out of Beijing. China backs North Korea. China's foreign minister said Saturday that Beijing would not abandon North Korea, reiterating China's long-standing position that dialogue not sanctions, is the best way to persuade the North, the North to abandon its nuclear weapons. Praise God. All right, at this point, we're going to go ahead and bring on Brother Sammy Mwangi. Uh, for, uh, he's, a, again, the, ch the chief representative of uh, Pipes International. Um, it's just an awesome organization that, that goes over. They, 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 they uh, help the, 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 these indigenous peoples uh, that live in the mountains and the jungles outside of Goma Town in the Democratic Republic of the Congo just outside of Rwanda. So for those of you who have seen the movie Hotel Rwanda, you know how volatile that area is. You know that people are getting shot at, that they've got, you know, uh, basically different types of rebels and terrorists, the M23 gang. Kids, are, kids get killed sometimes trying to run for their lives. There's kids that are starving, coming down with no place to live. And Pipes International actually goes there with their ministry teams, preaches Jesus to these people, and feeds these little kids and helps close these families and tells them about our, 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 our king. Jesus. And this is a just a great opportunity to hear it right from a representative who, who just came back from Gomentown not too long ago. Praise Jesus. So we are just completely blessed to have Brother Sammy Mwangi joining us right now. Praise God. Praise Jesus. Hallelujah. Brother Sammy, are you there? Yes, I am here, John. Praise God. Oh, give us an update. I, I, got, I got the rails grease for you, brother. I told him the story. Now tell us what's going on. Praise God. 
Thank you, thank you, John. And by the way, I just put some photographs on your Facebook, and I hope you'll see some of them. And uh, I'm going to put more. I'll share some of the photographs of Congo, uh, how the mission went on when I went there in December and January uh, this year with my wife, Esther. And um, I want to tell you, first of all, thank you once again for your support. John, you've been supporting us, and we thank you for supporting us and all the Tribulation Now family. And because of uh, your, 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 your support, I want to again uh, say this, because maybe some people have not known this, but last year, when we went in December, this January this year, we bought uh, six acres of land for the pygmies in uh, Iju Island. It's an island uh, which is uh, in Lake Kivu. Uh, and we bought this because of the courtesy of the money that we received. And uh, we've actually attained like two more acres. We want to get to 10. So uh, we couldn't get some of the sellers that we were targeting because of the war that was going on uh, the last part of last year. And so that's great new news. And because of that, uh, the Babuti pygmies have now started settling down in this new land. And uh, what we are hoping to do in the next few months is to be able to buy uh, farming tools for these people so that they can start farming for their own, um, in their own land and grow their own uh, crops, cassava and maize and potatoes, and be able to feed their families. And I want to tell you, John, they are so, so excited. Uh, when I went there with my wife, we were able to minister the gospel together with other pastors that we had. And as I said the other time, 30 people came to Christ. But since then, because the, our missionaries and the people we trained have continued to reach out, many more people have come to Christ. We are so excited. And John, uh, one of the pastors in Congo, we organized a mission for him to go to Kenya, and uh, he was received in a remote area in Kenya so well. He went with another missionary, two of them, like an exchange program, you know, between Kenya and Congo. We are trying to initiate those kind of uh, programs. And when people receive guests from other nations, they, they, they come in big numbers to hear the gospel, and um, they had a great, great meeting, and so many people came to Christ. I'm here to receive the final report. Uh, there were revival meetings where people were reminded about the coming of Jesus Christ and getting ready for uh, the second coming of Christ. And as we know, people are getting busy with too many things, but want to remind people that Jesus is coming uh, very, very soon, and they need to get ready for that. And so, John, we are so excited. We continue to feed uh, these kids, these families, and uh, we are hoping soon to do a small uh, documentary. Finally, we'll do a major documentary just to show people what we're doing in the Congo. But right now I'm still working on a small documentary, and uh, I'll be posting some of these things on the on on, on your Facebook, John, and and your uh, website. And I pray that you, you guys you continue to pray for us as we continue to do this work. It's not easy. Um, sometimes it's difficult in the places we go. You'll see some of the videos where we walk for we we walk for hours trying to get to the pigment, and uh, you see motorbikes, uh, and sometimes they break down on the road. Sometimes we fight bridges, places uh, there are no bridges, and uh, it's so difficult, but God has been uh, gracious to us because he's given us this ministry, and we feel so, so excited to do it. And um, I want to keep on saying thank you to everyone who supports us. Uh, I want just to give you a little update on what we want to do next and uh, the help that we need. Uh, as I said, we have already bought land, and but we need farming tools and seeds. And so as you pray and as God helps you to help us uh, buy farming tools that will cost about 4000 to buy for uh, uh, all these families, more than 100 people are now coming together in this land, and we are trying to figure out um, how to go about all these. So we need farming tools for these families, 
So if you help us, we'll be able to uh, to buy a hard cut, digging forks, holes, pull ballows. Uh, most of them are just mostly manual tools, but we need a lot of them for these families. And secondly, we need seeds for planting. Now, the good thing, John, is that uh, when we buy farming tools, this is just a one-time thing. And also when we buy seeds, whether they are maize, beans, cassava, bananas, when we buy them again, they use the same seeds to uh, plant again. So this is kind of a one-time thing that we are going to do uh, this month and next month and the other month. So we are trusting God and praying for our supporters to keep on uh, being able to support us. And also remembering that every uh, day we are giving these kids something to eat. And, uh, you know, sometimes I talk with my wife here when we are praying for our food and just see how people waste food around here. And sometimes there are so many people who uh, uh, sleep hungry without anything to eat. I've met people who have gone for days. I've met our children. Uh, and the other day when I went to Congo and one of the teachers told us that before we started giving some food, some kids could come to the school and after the classes, they don't want to go home or they just sit down and the teachers ask them, why not going home? They say, they don't have any energy to get back home. And, uh-huh. and, so, and so even the college, we give them whatever small thing we give them, it helps them to get back home and back to school again because some kids will not even be able to have strength enough to walk to school. And um, uh, I mentioned the, uh, the last thing I want to mention here is that uh, the family that lost four boys during the war, the, the best couple in Lake Kivu, the same lake that we used to go to Egypt. It was very, very unfortunate, but this family has uh, sent a lot of uh, thank you notes to, to, to the people who were able to help them because we helped them to put up a small house. Um, they, they didn't have anywhere to live, and so uh, having lost their three kids, they were so devastated. And we went there and we helped to build a house with them. And uh, they are very, very excited. They are so thankful. And other people that have been assisted in different ways. So thank you so much, John. Thank you, Kathy. And thank you, Tribulation Now, for all the support. God bless you. And I'll keep updating you, sending emails, and as much uh, photographs as I can. God bless you, John. God bless you, Sammy. Thank you. Thank you for calling in tonight. God bless you, brother. Yeah, folks, um, and amen, brother. Thank you so much. And, and you know, uh, folks, sorry about, you know, the audio challenges. Sometimes certain phones from different parts of the world and such, uh, you know, will have some difficulties. And, uh, you know, I hope that you were able to pull that out. Um, basically, to summarize, you know, again, it's, it's an awesome organization. Uh, the, the Lord led these guys to us. Um, it was just a very interesting and awesome and supernatural testimony. Um, and they, they, you know, they're not one of those big organizations uh, that that goes out and, and siphons off the American public through with lots and lots of overhead, where you know a couple of pennies of your dollars contribution actually makes it to the the poor. Um, you know, Jesus said in Matthew uh, chapter five, he said, if you want to be perfect, uh, sell everything you have and give it to the poor and follow me. Um, you know, and then you've got the scripture. You know, I didn't used to be, I didn't used to give. I didn't used to think that, you know, I thought tithing was Old Testament. You know, I thought there was too much, too much corruption in the church and I couldn't trust anybody. But then, you know, when you look at the Bible, it says, you know, Second Corinthians 9, verse 6, it says, He who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. I mean, there's testimonies of people who have been to heaven who were told by the Lord, you know, even a pastor from Korea, who didn't think because he was a pastor he had the tithe. He had to give to the kingdom. And he found out that that would actually impact his riches in heaven. 
So he who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. So I was that freaked me out. I cried. I cried. I was like, man, I started giving money away like crazy. Praise Jesus, and it's been total blessing. After that, the Lord gave me a great job, and you know, I don't know. You know, the, I, I, seek ye first the kingdom and His righteousness, and all these things will be given unto you. Praise God. Um, it's just a huge, huge blessing. And, uh, you know, again, pipesinternational.org, if you feel led, um, you're given right to the organization. I mean, that, you know, you small amount of contribution goes a long way over there. And there's a lot of people that listen to this radio show. I mean, if everybody gave a buck, they would be taken care of for a, for a long time. Praise Jesus. So. And you can do it through, you know, um, right through your PayPal stuff. So it's just a blessing. Uh, just like pipes, like, like uh, pipes in a house, like P-I-P-E-S, international.org. Praise God. What a, what a complete blessing. All right, folks. Now, here goes the really tricky part of the show. I'm going to try to give uh, Captain Dale Black, the author of the book, Flight to Heaven, a phone call using the uh, technical tools that are provided through Skype. Now, here's our backup plan. Kenneth, are you there? I'm here, brother. All right, here we go, bro. Are you ready? All set. Did you have some coffee? <laughs> you ready? You sharp? All set. Okay, so we got a primary plan, which is I'm going to try to dial in Captain Dale. If that fails, Kenneth is going to call Captain Dale and then bring him on the, the phone line through a different direction. Okay, praise Jesus. All right, so here we go. I'm going to try to do this live on the air. So if it blows up, then uh, Kenneth, Kenneth is going to be our, uh, our running back. He's going to do uh, kind of a uh, back around kind of a thing. So here we go. Praise Jesus. All right, so all right, so let's see here. Add. Okay, add people to this call. And here we go. Double click and add to call. Let's see if this takes it. Praise Jesus. Can you hear that, Kenneth? Yes, I do, brother. It sounds like it's ringing. Jesus. You aren't calling my number, are you? No, no, no. I'm getting a call waiting. All right, praise God, hallelujah. All right, hold on just a second. All right, let me double check here. I'm going to take, let's see if I can do something here. We're going to try one more time. Nine five one. Can't disclose the number over the air. We're going to try this again a different way. All right. Um, hold on just a second. All right. And praise you, Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise you, Jesus. All right. Let me double check that number again. Double checking. We're going to try this again. All right, let's see if it will allow us to try it. I'm going to try one more time, and then we're going to go to our backup plan. Praise Jesus. Hallelujah. All right, let's see if it allows us. No. All right. Praise God. All right, so it looks like we may not have the option um, to do this the way we had hoped. 
All right. Um, yep. Hold on. Oh, here we go. Let's try this. Let's see if this goes through. This is Paula. Can I help you? Hi, Paula. God bless you. This is John uh, Baptist from Tribulation Now radio show. You're live worldwide, and we were hoping to speak with uh, your uh, husband, uh, Captain Dale Black. Absolutely. Do you want him to call you back? Um, well, we can we can try to to do it uh, on this telephone call right here live if you want to. Um, we we found a way to dial in uh, using our Skype system from the Blog Talk Radio Show. Oh, great, wonderful. Okay, hold on, I'll get him. Praise Jesus. All right, Thank you, John. Amen. That calls for a shofar. <laughs> it does. Praise God. Praise you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Lord. Amen. So, Captain Dale Black, are you with us, brother? Are you there, sir? Hello? All right. Doesn't sound like it yet, John. Do you think we lost it? We lost it. Hello. Hello. Hey, there we yeah. go. Yeah, there we are. Is this John? Yes, this is John, and we have Kenneth. Kenneth, can you hear him? Yes, I can hear you, Captain Black. Welcome to our show. Praise Jesus. We got it all hooked up. <laughs> well, praise the Lord. Yeah, hi, Kenneth and John, and nice to talk to you guys. Yeah, we're so blessed. Um, God bless you, brother. I, you know, I I got your book, and uh, Kathy, our, uh, you know, she she assists with our. She's kind of like a show producer for us. Praise God! And right now yeah. we're we're live. Uh, we're live, and 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 thank thank uh, the Lord for this uh, blessed technology. Uh, we're going out uh, worldwide right now, and it'll turn into a podcast that people can can hear. And and uh, and we're just really blessed. I got your book, and I cried. And I cried oh. and I cried and I cried and I I was even putting together show notes today, so we would have you know to refresh my memory and have things to interact with you about. And even then, I started crying. What an amazing testimony, brother! Oh, thank you so much. And of course, uh, praise the Lord. I thank God for every, everything. And but uh, your words are very very kind and very warm, and it's encouraging to hear that. Thank you so much. Yeah, amen. And let me ask you, if you would please, to to just kind of, if you know, introduce the listeners. What happened to you? What what brought this whole story about? What was it that happened to you when you were, uh, you know, 19 years old and and you know that on that fateful day? Can you kind of introduce right. everyone yeah. to that event? Yeah, well, in a, in a, in a, uh, the very beginning, of course, I'm the only survivor of an airplane crash, and my life was forever changed back then. Uh, for several days, uh, I was in a intensive care unit in a hospital, of course, uh, but not before taking an incredible, very real trip to heaven, which changed my life from the inside out. Now, uh, you guys, I'm not talking about a vision. I'm not talking about a a dream. I'm talking about a real experience, and uh, there's really no language for uh, what I believe happened to me. Uh, when I woke up from this coma, 
nothing was the same. Uh, my whole life had turned upside down. In fact, I felt like literally, see, I didn't know a lot of things. I didn't know I, when I woke up from the coma, I didn't, uh, my memory had been severely uh, impacted and uh, I was all broken up, but I didn't know I was even injured. I just woke up uh, like you would on a morning and maybe not know what day it was, you know, when those kind of things happen. And I looked out in, in my eyes and uh, I wondered what had happened. Uh, I uh, I was trying to talk, but I couldn't. But uh, I got to know this doctor very well later, and uh, of course he doesn't even know still to this day, uh, at least on this when he was on the earth, what had happened to me. I couldn't tell him all the details at the time, but he told me my first words upon waking were, "What happened to my eyes?" He didn't think much about it because my my. My eye was cut down the middle, almost sliced in two. I had a big gash over my forehead and down in the middle of my eye. I mean, that's just one of many injuries. But uh, he thought I was referring to that, and I didn't even know I was injured. I didn't know I had a bad eye or a bad leg or a bad anything. I just thought uh, everything changed. The colors were brighter. I felt like I was looking through... uh, 3D glasses, like when you go into a movie and you see a 3D movie that's filmed in 3D and and you see that depth, that new dimension that you weren't used to seeing, well, that was my life. I I had been living almost like in a two-dimensional world uh, prior to this airplane crash, and when I woke up from the coma, uh, everything had changed. (laughs) And that's why I was saying, what happened to my eyes? What happened to my eyes? I was wondering what had happened because now I can see dimensions that I didn't even know existed before. And what was happening is my spirit had become stirred. Uh, We know we are a spirit, all of us on this earth. We are a spirit. We have a soul and we live in a body. (laughs) We were created by God. I completely believe that. I know it to be true. We're created by God in his image, and we are spirit. But prior to this airplane crash, I lived in just this flat, almost like a black and white world. And when I woke up from the coma, uh, I was completely changed. And uh, I've never been the same since. <laughs> yeah, so, so you you know, but, but you – I got the impression that for quite some time – uh, you you knew something was different. You felt you know I got you, know, you you had said that you felt this unexplainable love for people, and I when I heard that I was like I was absolutely wowed because I thought to myself if only if only the people who espouse to be Christians in the world today had that kind of feeling of love for other people, it would be, I mean, you sounded overwhelmed, like you couldn't help witness the people and and treat them differently on account of that feeling. Can you describe that to folks? It's exactly true, as you said. Uh, Keep in mind, though, that I'm not as good of a speaker as probably you guys are. I'm a pilot. I've spent my 
life, you know, in the cockpit and teaching people to fly and stuff. But I'm not a real eloquent speaker. I've, I've learned to write better than I can speak. So I'll do my best. But all of my words will certainly pale uh, for sure. When I woke up, this new dimensions, like I tried to explain earlier, uh, the book Flight to Heaven it does explain it very well, I think. I'm Amen. I'm pleased with what God was able to do through that. But I also had an overwhelming love in my heart, which made no sense to me. Uh, it's completely unlike me, really, and it, it made no sense. Because of the serious injuries to my head and brain, uh, which they, it's what killed the other two pilots, by the way. They were killed by blunt trauma to the brain. All three of us pilots impacted the same uh, mausoleum at the same speed, at the same uh, within two feet of each other. We all impacted a seven-story fall to the ground. We all landed right next to each other, just bam, bam, bam. I mean, I went through the same thing they did. They died. Uh, and and I have to say, I, I believe God miraculously spared my life, but I was not without severe injuries. And my mind uh, was very traumatized. I could not remember uh, the two years of aviation that I had been trained, I, two years of flight training. I couldn't remember how to fly. I lost all of that. I couldn't remember most of my high school, junior high. I remembered my childhood a young childhood well, but I couldn't remember uh, some of the more recent years. There were certain things that my my brain was like a a jigsaw puzzle, and I had pieces that I could recognize and other pieces that were missing, and I couldn't see the whole picture, so to speak. So I didn't know that I had been to heaven right away, not with my brain. My brain didn't know that I had been to heaven my brain didn't remember the crash. My brain didn't remember uh, so many things, and yet my heart inside of me, the real me, and I'm still trying to figure out what is this, who am I? Am I my brain? Am I my mind? Am I my heart? All this stuff right after the crash was very confusing, but I knew that I knew that I knew that I had met face-to-face with God. That's just a few people that I trusted. I said to that, Dale, what's happened to you? I met face-to-face with God. And and that's the words that I could, that's the only thing I could say. And I couldn't explain it until about roughly six months later uh, when I started Revisit. Well, I'd been going back to this place where we had crashed, this aviation memorial, which lie in the middle of a cemetery, very large building, very beautiful. Uh, you know, great pilots are are memorialized there. Amelia Earhart and many, many great aviators that have made such a contribution to the field of aviation are there. I would go there where we crashed and, and asked God so many times, so many questions. What's wrong with my memory? What happened to me? And is it true that I caused this crash? Because one newspaper article uh, very unkindly wrote that I did cause the crash. We found out later that it, it was not me at all. It couldn't have been me, and there was no there's no truth to that uh, story. But... I had to sort that out. That took about two years to get the final report where I realized I wasn't uh, 
I wasn't the cause of the crash, but I had this love for people. I, I didn't manufacture it. I, I didn't pray to get it. It just was there when I woke up from the hospital, when I got out of that coma. I was full of love, and I didn't know why. I couldn't figure it all out. I loved everybody. I loved everything. I, it, oh, Some have said, well, you're just glad to be alive. Okay, true. I was glad to be alive, but there was these haunting feelings of guilt. Why why did I live and, and my flight instructor and my best friend at the time die? We were right next to each other. My knee was touching his thigh uh, on takeoff and uh, I should have been in that seat uh, just prior to takeoff. All kinds of things that would happen, but I was full of love and confusion and I started understanding uh, John and Kenneth, after about six months um, later, I would go to bed at night, and then I started remembering things I'd never remembered before. The day of the crash, uh, the tax, the startup of the engines, the taxi, oh my gosh, I was starting to remember things, remember things, and uh, then I remembered the takeoff, and then I remembered what happened the last few seconds before impact, and then, oh my gosh, I started remembering the impact itself. Huh. And then the fall to the ground, uh, which was the fall to the ground, it still affects me to this day. I mean, that was a fast and long fall. Oh. And uh, that, that may have, we don't know, is the fall what killed the other two pilots and why we had the, why I had such brain injury, the fall to the ground, or was it the impact at 135 miles an hour into the solid a mosaic dome of this mausoleum we had impacted into. I guess we won't know for sure ever, but uh, I started remembering what happened in my college dorm room. And the first time the, the, the thought was in my mind, finally into my mind, which came from my heart. I was wide awake and I got on my crutches and went out to the football field. I used to love to play football. Of course, I thought, you know, that was those days were over. Uh, I could never play athletics again. But uh, I laid carefully on my back on the 50-yard line, looked up into the stars, and said, God, I've been praying every day, several times a day, that you'd give me my memory back. I don't even care if what you give me is bad. I just want to know. What happened? Who caused the crash? Why did we crash? What happened to me? Why am I so changed? What has happened to damn black? And I just pleaded with him. Anyway, it took about three to four more nights of just pleading with God and slowly, little by little, quietly, me and God and nobody else, didn't talk to anybody, didn't share it with anybody, me and God, I realized what had happened. And then I knew what I know now. I knew then. And uh, when I felt like I was had all the pieces of the puzzle pretty much back together, except for high school and junior, I didn't get that back. But uh, I uh, got in my car and, and carefully drove down to see my grandfather, who's a wonderful Christian businessman, solid, rock-solid, biblical, unemotional, 
you know, just you, you could set your watch to him. He's always on time, always punctual, and what he says he'll do. Uh, really a, a, a wonderful man that I was blessed to have not only as my granddad, but, but he loved me, and he gave me the time, any time I needed time from him, he would give it to me. Well, I grew up with my granddad. We worked together all my life, and I went to him and shared with him the beginnings of what I'm sharing with you, too. And uh, he stopped me, and he uh, he said, Dale, I, I, I don't, I don't, uh, I don't discount your story. I, I've heard uh, just enough, but let me just ask you to listen for a second. He said, you believe you've seen heaven when you were in the Yes, sir, I do. I absolutely do. And you're going to tell me about the details of that. Yeah, if you want to listen, yes, I'll be glad to share it to you. I don't know what to do with it, Grandpa. And uh, he said, is this experience a sacred experience? Well, sure. Yeah, absolutely. He said, now, if your experience is sacred, let me ask you this. Do you think it would be pleasing to God for you just to hold on that story, hold on this until you're sure? Why not live your life as an example of what you saw, you heard, you learned in heaven? Why don't you live your life that way instead of going around talking about it? And I said, what, what do you mean, Grandpa? I mean, you know, keep in mind, I'm, I think I was 20 years old at this time. In fact, I know I was. I was 20. And he said, well, Dale, I, I've, you know, I've been around the block a few times. There are people that have had supernatural experiences. They write a book about it. They go around from church to church to church. They make a relatively nice living with this kind of story. And so he said, you know, I'm not trying to say what anybody else is doing. I'm just trying to talk to you about, about what you would do. But others have commercialized your experience, the experience. Are you sure that's what you want to do with yours? I said, well, Grandpa, no, I, I wouldn't want to commercialize the experience, make money from this. No way. I mean, uh, we're hard workers. We own our business. Uh, you know, we keep working. He said, well, you just pray about this. If you want to tell me more, you can. I believe your story, in fact. And then he stopped. My grandpa didn't do this too often, but he did that day. He looked out his window. I'll never forget it. He looked out, and he was very quiet, and I was waiting for him to say something, and he started to cry. He started to weep. He said, Dale, I think you just told me why we've all been asking this question. Why did you have no internal injuries? It made no sense. The other, the other pilots were killed so quickly, and you had no internal injuries, and that was the main concern uh, for your – I mean, they, the bone can heal. Maybe you won't walk again, but bones heal. It's the internal injuries everybody worried about. And he says, I think that your experience explains the validity because you had no internal injuries. And uh, he believed my story, and uh, he said, let me know what you decide to do. Three days later – I called him. I said, Grandpa, I've thought about it. I've prayed about it. Uh, bullseye, you're right on as usual. As usual. Uh, I'm not going to tell this story until God makes it clear. He, I could hear him weeping on the boat. Mm -hmm. He'd gotten through because I was just a kid. 
I could be swayed. I could, I could change. You know, having things happen to you when you're young that are very successful can sometimes have a damaging effect to your character as you right. you grow and mature. There's no so, question about it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I thought I, I would wait about two to three years, and then the Lord would give me permission to share this story. <laughs> I waited 40 years before I was sure. It was 40 years that he said, Dale, this is it. This is time. And by that time, I didn't even want to share it. <laughs> I'd, oh, gotten yeah. all, <laughs> I'd gone through all, all, my whole life. Why share it now? And 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 I wasn't clear. And my wife helped me greatly, and uh she she pretty much in convinced me that it was uh, uh, something that I should pray about and, and really search the Lord, which I did, and so now we have the book. Oh yeah, and the book is awesome, folks. I mean, you know, listen. So here's here's a part of the book that caught me by surprise because it has been part of my personal growth in. Uh, the Lord, and um, and it's something that we've shared with the listening audience uh, pretty regularly. As a matter of fact, we all hear that still small voice in a different way. Uh, you know, not everybody hears the Lord speak to them precisely the same. And I, we had in, we have you know what we call show notes, and I had at the beginning, I put Bible verses at the beginning of our notes and one of the Bible verses that uh, we've shared with the listening audience is seek ye first the kingdom and his righteousness and I you know what's really fascinating is I had that scripture at the beginning of the show notes and I had highlighted the words and his righteousness before before I read your book. I got to the chapter, Losing wow. Life to Find It. When I read that, I burst into tears in my living room. I could not. That was the oh. Lord telling me, this is the key to everything. It's not just the key to healing. It's the key to our entire walk in Christianity and our sanctification process and our seeking of holiness and the kingdom is we have to seek God and his righteousness first could you tell people what that that story how that had been imparted to you by the lord yeah if i can keep a dry eye you just bless me with what you just said you bless me too brother praise the lord that's just so true you said this you said that it's the key to everything and it is it is the key to everything and there are several scriptures that are similar in a way and they are the keys seek you know after god you know god is the person that we're to seek after we draw near to god and when we get near to god what do we get we get some of his love and i think that's what happens when we get an experience in heaven if it's real you come back you have to be changed i don't know how a person could get near God, get near the celestial city, and not come back full of love and full of just the opposite of self-pity. <laughs> you know, Amen. you're just full of love because God is love. He's He's life and he's, he's light. Well, what happened to me to answer your question? You know, you have to admit, I'm just a kid still. I'm now 20 years old and I'm still 
believing and asking God if it would be okay with him, I'd still like to be an airline pilot. That was my 14-year-old dream that someday maybe I could do that. This airplane crashed pretty well, you know, knocked those dreams off of the table. But then I kind of started studying the Word of God, and I started recognizing all the promises that he gave us. Well, I had one thing after another happen, and it looked like I would never for sure walk again. And they wanted to do a uh, a, a bone fusion uh, surgery to my foot, my ankle. And with that fusion, I would be able to likely put weight on my foot. Of course, I would never have a joint there. I couldn't twist or go on my toes and, you know, things like that and play athletics again. But uh, I had the best surgeon, I think, in the country. Evil Knievel's doctor was my doctor. He's the old uh, daredevil guy during our era. And uh, Dr. Graham was his doctor. He was my doctor, too. Anyway, I prayed and told my wonderful doctor, as much as I respect him, as much as I know that he's telling me the right thing, from his perspective, when push comes to shove, I have only one person to listen to, and that's God. And, and I believe that God sent me scriptures and promises that he was going to heal me his way. Well, the doctor put my ankle together the best he could with wires and bolts and things like that, but uh, the blood wasn't circulating through it, uh, at first first, not at all. And then finally, uh, well, at the beginning it started circulating, which was basically a miracle, and I give my dad and my grandfather credit because they did what they felt God would want them to do, and I didn't even know about it. But later, without my grandparents or my parents even knowing, I was on my own and learning to follow God, and my ankle, the bone, was dead. And I had made a decision not to have this fusion, and now I had passed a window of opportunity to fuse. And so there was no longer that option, and I had prayed and prayed to God that he would get me back in the cockpit, flying pilot command someday, walking on my own two feet without crutches, without... Whatever, you know, whatever it would take that he would answer my prayers and things didn't get uh, better, they got worse. Mm. And uh, so since they got worse, I decided to pray and fast and get anointed with oil uh, again. (laughs) And I had done that at my college. And then I made a bold little uh, promise to somebody, I mean to the the, uh, chapel service we had about, well, I don't know, five, six hundred people in a chapel service, and I said, hey, tomorrow I'm going to the doctor's office. Uh, Some of you have heard about the airplane crash I was in. Others of you haven't. If you're interested, I'm going to go to the doctor. I'm going to see a miracle tomorrow. If... So sorry, taking your airtime. No, 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 no. No, praise (laughs) Jesus, brother. God bless you. If... You want to see a miracle? Just meet me in front of the chapel. I'll have my car there. You can go with me, and we'll watch what God has already done. Well, I was speaking boldly. I was young. But I was learning this from God's Word, not from some preacher, not from some book, only the book, only the Bible. Me, God, to the Bible, that was it. But he was taking me on a journey. 
And gosh, every day was such an adventure. <laughs> I feel like I'd get the, the wind knocked out of me, and then the next day I felt like I was I was pumped with pure oxygen from his word, and then the wind gets knocked out of me again, and then it would happen all over again. Anyway, we go to the doctor in my old Cadillac that I borrowed, wasn't even mine, and uh, we have a handful of friends that I can remember to this day. I keep in touch with some of them still. And we went to the doctor. He took the x-rays. Uh, I could read these things myself. I'd gotten so good at it. And yeah. he was just about to put the x-rays up on the machine. And I said, Doc, excuse me, sir, do you mind? Could we have a word of prayer? And he looked at me, and I said, just let us pray for a moment. And he stood there, and arms folded, bowed his head. You know, an unbeliever at all, not a believer at all. And we all held our hands, and I prayed, and a few others prayed. And we thanked God for what he had already done. Not what he was going to do, but what he had already done. And uh, the doctor, you know, listened to us say amen. We, he put the x-rays up on the scope. And he turned around and he said, Dale, the ankle, there's there's no progress. There's no progress. The bone is dead. And uh, we, 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 we have that uh, slot still available for the fusion. But this is the last slot. And I said, Doc, I'll be in touch. And we walked out and... And I was I was confused. We we had a lot of discussion. I didn't really want to talk much, but we did, and we believed that, uh, you know, God sometimes allows your faith in Him to be tested. Sometimes your faith in God's way will be uh, shaken, and uh, we need to stand firm when when that happens. And I thought about that, and I thought about what I needed to do. And how I needed to be more obedient and and just more in His Word and more in prayer and and less self-centered and all the things that I guess we would all do at that age. And a couple of weeks later, the chaplain said, "Hey Dale, would you like to talk and give your testimony? Anything happening with you in your life?" Because I was on a journey, man. <laughs> and so I stood up and said, "Yeah, you know, two weeks ago I went to the doctor and." Uh, my bone is dead, and but we still believe, and we know that God is able, and, and nothing's too hard for the Lord. And uh, tomorrow, if anybody wants to go, I'm going to get in my car again. And anyway, long story short, uh, another small group of people went back to the doctor. We did the same thing. Doc, can we pray before you put this x-rays up? And he held his hands, and we uh, prayed, and... He put the x-rays on the scope, turned around and said, Gail, uh, the bone is dead. It's too late. Uh, We've passed that date. Uh, The fusion is not a possibility. You made the wrong choice is what I knew he meant when he walked out of the room briskly. And I felt abandoned by God. I don't know if others have felt that way. Of course we've all felt that way, but I felt abandoned by God. I Mm -hmm. felt like that God had dropped the ball on me. Right. I had I had put myself out on the line so uh, on the line with for him. I had sort of walked
Kathy, can you let me know if you hear me? I think we lost John and Captain Black. Am, am I on the air right now? All right, that looks like promising, promising, promising. Okay, are we back live? Are we back live? Kenneth, can you hear me? Hear me? John, John, I can hear you. Um, uh, praise God. Are you there, uh, uh, Brother Dale? Yes, I am. Can you hear Brother Dale, Kenneth? Yes, I can hear. I can hear Brother Dale. Okay, yep, um, yep. Your testimony is incredible. Oh, Keep yeah. On going. This, this is amazing. So, so again, so to get this back on track, Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Uh, so so it says in, in your book, I'm just going to read this here. It says, after I finished my selfish, selfish temper tantrum, which we've all had, I have those actually, in some cases, two or three times a day. It's <laughs> pretty human. It's, it's, a, it's a human experience. Yes, I'm always saying, Father, please, I don't want to be a, a grumbling Israelite in the desert. <laughs> Bless your heart. But it said, I heard the clear yet gentle voice in my heart. In the exhausted quietness of my spirit, I sense the tender voice of God's spirit say to you, Dale, why do you want to be healed so badly? Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And if I, if I jump ahead a little bit, but really, this is where I started to cry, where it says, it says, now tears begin to flow down my face, and once more I sensed him speaking to me. The Lord said to you, seek me first, and my righteousness, Dale, and all these things will be added to you. And I knew exactly what he meant. I should have been seeking the healer before the healing. I wanted a miracle more than I wanted my miracle worker. And his other words rang in my spiritual ears, his righteousness, his righteousness. Despite my outspoken faith, despite my Christian words, despite my best efforts, I knew very well that I was not leading a completely pure life. Hallelujah. Praise Jesus. That is powerful. It actually speaks to probably why so many of our churches are full of sick Christians. Yes, that is exactly right. We we have a pretty much a, a, a sickly uh, church in America, especially and uh, and this we, we've just compromised in so many ways. It, it, it's it, it starts really with the leaders. It, it starts with the leadership. Mm-hmm. That if we if we compromise as leaders, then the followers will always <laughs> they'll only follow. They can only go as far and as high as the leader. But yeah, I, in that time at, at that point in my life, I knew there was things that I had just not wanted to talk to God about. And one of them was my desire so bad to be an airplane pilot and to get back in the cockpit. I mean, come on, Dale. How selfish can you get? And I had surrendered that after the airplane crash. I had surrendered it a hundred times since the crash. Little by little, day by day, that started to creep back in and it got out of line. And, of course, who's the last person to know that was me. <laughs> We're so unobjective about ourselves sometimes. That's why it's so important to be a part of a good, effective, powerful church or a church body, because others can see the blind spots that we can't see. Others can see behind our back that we cannot see. 
And uh, the Holy Spirit leads us into all truth. When I surrendered that day in my dormitory, uh, again, I had had some supernatural experience. I am not a charismatic. I'm not really considered myself as Pentecostal. I, I was raised in a Mormon uh, family to begin with, then in a, a pretty conservative Nazarene uh, experience. But man, when when this airplane crash uh, occurred and, and, and thereafter, I went on a me and God uh, adventure that just changed so many things. Well, well, that I, that brings us to the the you know I don't want to lose you before we can get this incredible. Bit. So I thought I was gonna get my act together shortly after I got through the chapter entitled "Losing Life to Find It," but then it went into the actual journey to heaven. And I'm gonna tell you something, brother. First off, I want to impart to you because I think this will bless you that we have here at this radio show and the folks that are part of this ministry, we've done quite a bit of research on folks that have been had similar testimonies and have been taken to heaven. And your your testimony, many of the things that you saw um, match very, very closely, if not perfectly, with a number of other people who have had, you know, similar testimonies. Now, here's something that might bless you. That experience, that 3D love, lingering, unexplainable, aura-like experience that you had after you came back was imparted by a number of other people who had been there. In, and what people will often refer to that is, uh, as is glory, that the glory shone round about them, that that glory, that energy that, that, that causes a person to glow, that light that emanates from them when they return back from their visit to heaven, that, that glory lingers on throughout their life. Uh, sometimes it diminishes rapidly like the actual light or glowing uh, phenomenon that occurs. And then there's, you know, other side effects that, that uh, will diminish, um, you know, over time uh, t typically. But that can you tell people that this is just amazing. It, it says that, you know, you, you had, you know, basically you had left your body in the hospital. You had, and, and ultimately you, you found yourself speeding through, you know, like a narrow pathway, an incandescent like beam of light, almost like a searchlight or originated from you and illuminated your path. And you were heading to, to what you could, Hardly, you were hardly able to describe, and you had seen, I guess, as you were traveling through what it, what seemed like, you know, millions of tiny spheres of light zooming past you, like you were moving through deep space in some kind of a jet fl flying through a snowstorm. Can you explain that to people? What was it like, and when did you see the presence of the angels beside you? Okay, and you're, you, I just would like to remind you that I'm a scientist, a businessman, a commercial airline pilot, 40 years flying. My feet have been solid on the ground. So to hear me talk this way, either I've got to be crazy or it really happened. It happened. And it did happen, and, and I, I just know that it happened. And why God would do that for me, I don't know, and I'm not sure 
always that it's as sometimes I feel like it's not a blessing be and there's a lot of reasons for that we don't need to go into that but yeah I was uh, like you said I was traveling like at breakneck speed it looked like I was in deep space I'd been in the hospital and I'd moved out of the hospital away from my body and I was traveling through a narrow uh, pathway of light and uh, outside of this pathway was total darkness yet as you mentioned a moment ago countless spheres of light zoomed past you know I would have thought uh, maybe those were uh, small planets or small stars or whatever but but I believe now that I've thought about them and I've thought about them, I believe I saw spirits. These were spirit beings traveling wow. to and from uh, the place where I was going, which which was heaven. Wow. Well, anyway, I saw a stunningly beautiful light. Uh, to me, it was brighter than the sun for sure, but it didn't hurt to look at it. And uh, that's that's when I noticed that I wasn't alone. I I sensed the presence first before I saw anything, but accompanying me were two angelic beings. They were not men or women, but they were masculine, larger than I was. They seemed to be, and I could feel this, delighted in directing my journey. I could feel their delightment, (laughs) if that's a, a good way to say it. Yes, but, as accompanying me were two angelic escorts dressed in seamless white garments woven in silver thread. Wow, and clearly delighted to be ushering me to this wonderland. Wow, that's exciting. <laughs> yeah, and, and God has created such a great thing, a great place, and a great uh, life for us after this earth is done. B- but... I have a caution that I'd love to give at some point. Uh, we we can overdo. Uh, we can spend too much time and energy on learning about heaven. It's important. It's a it's a wonderful thing where we're going. But if we start spending too much time there and we forget about the fact that we're in a battle here, you know, a lot of our listeners probably or your listeners are are in the middle of working and responsibilities and raising kids and all of that. But we're in a spiritual war down here. That's what, it, Amen, brother. We did, we just had a uh, Dr. Preston Bailey on on March 3rd uh, t- uh, teaching everybody about Mark 16, 16 through 18, that we are, we are yeah, in spiritual yeah. warfare. Amen. Yeah, right. And, and it's kind of like, well, I'll, I'll get off on that later. But, yeah, there was a brilliant light ahead of me. Uh, it w- was revealing little by little a magnificent skyline of an astonishing city, a city of gold, I've uh, learned to call it. And uh, tremendous beams of light, bright light, full of colors, uh, were just moving all through the air, gyrating all over the place. And in my heart, I knew that life and love was in the light. When you get the light to touch you, you're filled with life and filled with love from the light. They're all connected and interrelated. It's like that they're one. And the, and the closer I got to the city of gold, I realized that the atmosphere was alive with the sounds of music. Now, when we talk about music, I don't know how to do this. I don't know much about music, but... Uh, I don't know much about music. I'm not trained in that. 
but the music is is like the colors, but there's life in music, and the words to the music are more important than the tunes. The words are everything, and the music itself is full of unity. Uh, I've gotten a bunch of emails. I don't think I've answered more than one of them, but what's tell us about the music? Tell us about the music. And I just can't, so I don't even try. It's not possible. But I'll try here now if you want. Yeah. The music, the the tones are deeper. The octaves are higher and lower. It's way higher, way lower than we have here. You, you know, we can only hear so much on Earth. You know, a dog can hear higher than we can, I guess. Uh, it, it's It's been studied, but... but there in heaven we can hear it, it's like we, we're barely hearing down here it's like you take the ear muscle off and you can hear it you hear it all above, below and the harmony I only know of two, three part harmony that's all I know but there the harmony is so multifaceted it's indescribable there's so many levels of harmony and unity not just unity you know I've seen Christian bands and Christian organizations get, get together, and I've seen where it's done so beautifully, a reflection of heaven on earth. And I've seen where it's not done uh, even close. <laughs> but if there's love and unity amongst the band or the singers, if there's genuine love and unity amongst those people that are performing or they're using their voice or their instruments, if there's complete love and unity between those folks, then we're beginning. We're just, we're just now starting good music. We have to have love. We have to have unity. Or music is just a bunch of notes. And I'm sad to say, I don't see it much anymore. I, I don't hear it much anymore. I'm not talking about the style now. You know, we can change the style as as the years go by. I'm talking about the principles of love and unity in the music. First, we have to be in love with God. Then, with the love of God in us, we love each other. And with that, we sing or play our instruments with our heart and with our soul and with our spirit and, of course, our body and the functions that God's given us. Now we're talking about a reflection of heavenly music here on the earth. Now, how do I write that? I don't know. <laughs> well, folks, you know, I want to tell you, folks, listen, I, in my personal, I've done a lot of reading and a lot of research, and I'm going to tell you, I don't think I have ever. I've read a lot of books about people that have been to heaven and their testimonies, and I have never, ever heard someone put it as eloquently and as, I mean, the way that you worded it, just, I was there, I cried and cried through both of the entire chapters. All I could do was sob through both. I mean, listen to this, folks, listen to this. Okay, music, I'm quoting, I don't even know what page it says. Music was everywhere. The worship of God was the heart and the focus of the music, and everywhere the joy of the music could be felt. The deepest part of my heart resonated with it, made me want to be part of it forever. I never wanted it to stop. It swelled within me and without me, as if it were inviting me into some divine dance. The music was a seamless blend of vocals and instrumentals. The voices, 
enhancing the instruments, the instruments enhancing the vocals. Neither diminished the other, but rather enriched the other. There was no competition, only cooperation. Perfect harmonic order. I had the feeling in it was the most satisfying of feelings that I was made for the music, and if each muse muscle in my body were a tout string of some finely tuned instrument created to play the most beautiful music ever composed, I felt part of the music. I felt one with it. That's awesome, brother. God bless you. You had the Holy Praise Spirit the all over you when you wrote that, brother. Let me tell you. I was bawling. Praise I was like, that's awesome. I want to go there. <laughs> no, thank the tell, Lord. Tell me Praise about God. the people. Tell us about the people and the colors. and the, and the, the colors. It, 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 listen to this, folks. In that dazzling light, every color imaginable seemed to exist. And what's the right word? Played. So the colors were part of the music. If joy could be given colors... They would they would be these colors. The joy, uh, the colors were pure and innocent, like children playing in a fountain, splashing, chasing each other, gurgling with laughter. Water everywhere sparkled in the sunshine. The colors seemed to be alive, dancing in the air. Tell people tell people about the people that you saw there. Yeah, to the left of the little roadway, just before the big gate where I was in front of i found myself in front of to the left was a gathering of people that this is interesting i think they were just getting there they were on time nobody was late but they hadn't been waiting there they were just arriving at my precise time and they were orchestrated in a in a way to where i recognized that oh this is for me. <laughs> These people are here for me. And I looked into the eyes, and the eyes were brighter and clearer and had more life than any I'd ever seen, of course. And I, I recognized the smiles. I, could, I, could, I felt like I was looking into the heart of a person by their smiles and their eyes. The teeth were brighter. The eyes were brighter. And the, I, I looked. There was definitely male and female there, but I didn't think of it at the time. At the time, I didn't think about it. It was uh, six to eight months later when I had the uh, the vision returned. This whole thing came back to my mind. Then I recognized, oh, my gosh, there was male and female, and I didn't notice the difference. Oh, my gosh, there was black, white, there was what we would call Asian and Hispanic. There was everybody, every tribe represented there, but I didn't even notice it at the time. What does that all mean? It means that I was seeing people for who they really are, oh, and they were seeing awesome. me for who I really was. It's way beyond color or race or language or nationalities or where we were born. It's that we belong to God through his son, Jesus Christ. This was my family. It was my welcoming committee, and I had never felt more loved, even <laughs> by my own family on earth. I had never felt more a place to belong, even with my family on earth. That was the most wondrous, probably, experience ever that I could share in uh, Flight to Heaven. But I, I, I did go uh, through that wall later. I, I haven't shared that, but, but I did go through that wall, and I did see family members that were part of my blood relative, blood-related 
But you know what, John and Kenneth? I think it's important because I have been asked, and it's a slam dunk answer. I think it makes sense. It does to me anyway. People have said, oh, Dale, oh, my gosh. Well, I thought I was going to see my family when I get to heaven, and you didn't recognize anybody. Not... Hey, this is great. This is great for several reasons. One, there's a lot of people that don't have family here on earth. When you get to heaven, rejoice because you're going to have such great family waiting for you. And another thing, and I'm saying that quickly, another thing is when Jesus was approached and while he was teaching, they said, hey, your brothers, your sister, your mother's here. They need to talk to you. And Jesus answered and said, who are my brothers? Who are my sisters? Who is my mother? He pointed and he said, those that do the will of of my father, these are my brothers and my sisters and 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 my mother. Amen. And we have one father. He didn't. Jesus didn't even mention that the father, of course, is one father, and that is Almighty God. We have family here on the earth right now. We have spiritual brothers and sisters that are, in in many ways, more family than our blood family. Amen. Otherwise, why would have Jesus had said what he did? Why did he actually point that way? Why would he say, who are my brothers and my sisters and my mother? And then he said, those that do the will of my father. So, John, Kenneth, when you call me brother, and I call you guys brother, to the world out there that doesn't understand that, I know that sounds weird, but it's so true because we have the same father. We are spiritual brothers, which is stronger in my mind, stronger than anything I've ever experienced. It is stronger than blood ties. Amen. No, absolutely. Amen. I, I uh, <laughs> we, We've talked about thing, these concepts in some of our more advanced radio shows. Um, you know, uh, we've done some shows about sons of God, the concepts, the foundations of the earth. You know, the all 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 of the all of the things you know that 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 are you know mysteries in the Bible, and and these are the, some of the conclusions that 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 the Lord has yeah. led us to. That yeah. the power of who we are in the universe as sons of God, that eternal destination of a royal priesthood for a new age in Hebrews that it speaks about. That is our ultimate destiny, and this really is just a very short stop along the way. Amen. Amen. You're so right. So a lot I was of the there. Go, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Well, well, good, well, I was curious about the imparting of the truth. A lot of the people that listen to the radio show, uh, we have a lot of folks that like to investigate, you know, the mysteries of the Bible, which is good. We do too. Praise Jesus. And, um, you know, and then it, it, there's a part where you were told about how truth and knowledge was imparted to you while you were there. Can you talk to people about that? Right. Before this experience, yeah. of course, I was like a lot of the people you just described. I wanted to investigate everything and research everything, and I still do. I do. But I didn't, I didn't understand back then that that's not the highest level. Research and study and knowledge is not the ultimate goal. Truth is the goal. Knowledge and facts and data, that 
we see all day long. We hear statistics. We read the newspapers. We we get uh, periodicals and specialty uh, magazines and DVDs and YouTube's. You name it. All kinds of data, and so little of it is truth. Yep. Truth will withstand the test of time. Truth lines up with God's principles, God's ways. Truth never changes. And I didn't understand this, but when I got there, my first my my first thing I was I would ask a question without verbalizing anything, and I would get the answer immediately into my heart. It didn't seem so weird at the time until I started remembering what happened. But at the time, I was getting every answer when I needed it. I'd ask a question, there's the answer. I'd wonder what's happening there, I'd get the answer to that. I'd think, what's this, who are these people? I'd have the answer to that without anybody telling me. Truth was imparted directly into my heart. No way of misunderstanding anyone. No, <laughs> no form of uh, communication that could be misinterpreted. Truth came right into our heart. And, of course, the Bible, we're told that God's word is truth. It's a lamp way to our path. And the word of God sheds light on the truth. Well, when we're in heaven, I'll guarantee that there will be a lot of people be surprised. There will be a lot of folks, they'll see the truth of what Jesus really did when he died on the cross, when he shed his blood they'll be surprised that certain people are there and they'll be surprised that others are not because truth is beyond religion. Truth goes beyond church going. Truth goes beyond words and talking what we say. Truth is truth and it's unbendable and it's, it, it's, it's more solid than rock. <laughs> There's something that you said here that is incredibly, incredibly Powerful, and I'm going to quote it. You said, somehow I recognized that Jesus, the Word, was the structure that held it all together, like the rib around the heart. And 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 we have we have brought that forward to people in some of our more advanced discussions uh, that Jesus was is ultimately the power that holds together the entire universe as we see it today. Can you impart, can you share, what what was that epiphany that you felt about who, who Jesus was ultimately in the scope of everything that we know today? You know, I, I, I went there sort of as a Mormon. When I went to heaven, I went there as a very weak, nominal Christian, I went there with Barry never having remembered or heard of a, uh, a story of heaven. Uh, never anybody told about it or wrote about it or I never read the Bible hardly at all. So when I went there, uh, immediately I recognized that something I had to, I had to change something right away. I thought that Jesus would be the son of God because I did, I did understand him being you know crucified in the fifth grade, I received Jesus as Lord, and I had a basic understanding. But but in heaven, I recognize that oh my gosh, he he is the Son of God, but he's also God. Oh my gosh, he is God himself. Yes, yes, yes. And and, and I didn't recognize that, and I don't hear many people talk about that, and I don't hear it 
preached much, but that was, uh, a, 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 let me uh, minimize it by saying that was an aha moment. <laughs> he is God. And whether or not you agree with this preacher or that preacher or this denomination or whatever, all of us eventually will come to recognize what did we do with Jesus on the earth because that will make all the difference in the world between what we do uh, in heaven is, is what did we do with Jesus here on earth. Oh, yeah, amen. As a matter of fact, John 10.30 says, I and the Father are one. Yeah, It's yeah. a very revealing yeah. scripture. Praise God. And, of course, yeah. I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes unto the Father but by me. Praise Jesus. It's very powerful. Tell people about, I mean, I could just keep you on here. I mean, I don't want to keep you too long, you know, past, you know, you, you, you know, I don't, you know, if you just let us know if you have to go, brother, but can you tell us, you know, cause we, I could keep you on here forever, brother. Um, but, um, can you tell us, you know, what, tell us about the homes, the dwellings, the quaint towns. Can you describe the city and all that stuff that you saw when you were there? Yeah. Uh, there, there was scattered throughout the the countryside, you know, lush living gardens and wooded forest and crystal clear lakes, streams. Uh, there was majestic mountains as well. But eventually, I started looking above the wall. I was over able to look over the wall, and there was these brightly colored, picture perfect. Uh, they were homes, and they they were grouped. In little quaint, uh, I, I use the word townships because I don't know what else to call them. They were unique, but each, which was interesting to me, is the way they blended harmoniously with the others. There didn't seem to be any two. Well, I, I, I think of them when I talk to my wife like snowflakes. Every snowflake is unique. It's different. It's intricate. But when the snowflakes fall, they join and blend together. These houses were just as unique, no two the same. And there, there's almost not enough hours in the day to describe them, but there were just beautiful homes that were arranged in, in a the, – the arrangement took my breath away because they were arranged so harmoniously uh, Every now and then you see a reflection of that on the earth, but usually not. Usually we put a building up and, you know, we've got to have a building up and these houses all look the same. Or There's just no way to describe this beauty, but beautiful colors, beautiful architecture, uh, some single, some six-story tall buildings I would estimate even today, and yet they blended so harmoniously together. Amen. Listen to this quote. Uh, as I described previously, the grass, the sky, the walls, the houses, everything was more beautiful than I ever dreamed anything could be. Even the colors. They, they were richer. They were deeper, more luminescent than any colors I'd ever seen in the farthest reaches of earth or in the most fantastic of my dreams. There were, they were so vibrant, they pulsated with life. Each and every color, no matter how it varied, took its color from the glistening whiteness that permeated heaven. If millions of jewels had been gathered into one place and the brightest sunlight shone through them, 
it wouldn't begin to describe the colors that I saw. Heaven was filled with a rainbow of hues and provided me with a sensory feast. Wow. <laughs> the, the, the Holy Spirit helps. Uh, when when I write, I can, I can go to bed and sleep on it and pray on it, wake up in the morning, improve it a little bit. The same thing day in, day out. A few weeks go by, it gets better and better. I can write better than I can speak. And, and I, I think your readers w will appreciate that. But today I'm trying to just share with you from my heart without notes in front of me and just uh, don't have the book in front of me either. So I'm just trying to give it to you, you know, from the hip, so to speak. And, uh, well, you guys, you guys are the speakers. I've had the chance of listening to you guys on a couple of your programs before. Well, you you guys to, know how to speak. <laughs> well, well, praise God. Well, you wanted to talk to folks about something that was on your heart that was kind of, you know, above and beyond uh, what's in the book, right? Well, uh, one of the things that I feel like is important to me, if, if I'm given the opportunity to share about this subject, it's a, it's a fascinating subject. God has given a handful of people a real uh, experience. It's very real, very true. Uh, I don't believe all the stories are true, and I don't read any of the books. I cannot uh, do that. God, I don't believe, will let me uh, mm -hmm. even read one. Uh, so I don't know what others have said other than what you have said, what others have said that they've said. But, yes, uh, heaven is it's important. There's, there's one way to heaven. There is one way to heaven. And this is where a lot of people struggle. They don't want to hear what is required. They, want to, they don't want to hear, no one wants to hear that, oh, I have to do something. But it's a lot like if you won the lottery, let's say it's an $80 million lottery, just picking a number out of the air, you win the lottery, you've got the ticket. If you have the ticket and don't go down there and cash it in, the million dollars, $80 million is going to sit there uncollected. When we receive Jesus as Savior, when we receive him as Lord, we have like a lottery ticket that we've purchased by the blood of Jesus. We didn't do anything but get it, receive it. And yet we've got to reach out and embrace Jesus and become one of his disciples. And a lot of people say, well, okay, fine, I, I, I am, I've done that. I, I go to church. But, but I, I don't know how to be a disciple of Jesus without reading his word with your heart, not with your head. You do, you have to use your head. You have to use your mind. You have to use your brain, of course. But you have to go beyond that. It has to permeate down into your heart because that's what it's written for. It's spiritual food, not mental food. And we need to let God's word permeate down into our spirits, into our heart. Those are one and the same. But what I, what I wanted to say, if I could, is I feel like that in a, in a very real sense that here on earth, John and Kenneth and listeners that are hearing my voice now, I feel like in a way all of us are on board the ship, the Titanic. If we could go back in time and visualize what that would be like the night that it was to strike an iceberg and sink. If we were all sitting on the Titanic and we we now know that, hey, let's say two hours from now, this boat will be down at the bottom, uh, you know, thousands of feet underwater. 
and many of the crew and passengers will go down with it, what would we do? If we had two hours to prepare, what would we do? And and I know that I have a lot of loving family and and friends that I know what they would do. They would go and get in the lifeboat comfortably and make sure that they sail away, that they're going to be safe. They've got, in a, in a, if I can relate that to today, into real life, oh, okay, I'm saved. I have accepted Jesus as Lord. Yes, he is Son of God. He is God. He died for my sin. I am saved. I believe all that. And we then what? Get in the lifeboat and sail away. In the meantime, two-thirds of everyone else is fighting for their life. And I don't know about anybody else, but when I woke up from the coma, all I wanted to do was slap people and wake them and shake them. I didn't want to hurt anybody. I don't want to slap them to hurt them. I want to wake them up and stun them and say, you're on the Titanic. This is going to be on the bottom of the ocean in two hours. You may not believe me, but please get everybody you know, everybody you love, get them in those lifeboats. Get away from this ship. This is going down in a way. The earth is is uh, the world that we live in is is not controlled by God, but God is allowing all that's going on. God has made made a way of escape. His name is Jesus. He died in our place. He died for our sins. We need to receive Him and accept that free gift called salvation in order to get to heaven someday. But I'm challenging anyone that can hear me now to go beyond that, go to your neighbors, go to your friends, go to your family members, and and share with them with love in your heart. Don't, don't do it with your mind. Don't do it with your strong, overbearing personality. Ask God to give you the love that he alone can give you. And with that love, take it to those in your world, those at work, your boss, your co-worker, your neighbor, go and share this message. Some will say you're crazy. Some will say, no, I don't want any of it. Okay, fine. Love them enough to be rejected and not to worry about it. And then go on because there's going to be others that will say, what did you say? And then, well, I said that God loves you. He has a plan for your life. He has sent a way that you can get to heaven someday. And there's going to be a lot of people, a lot, that will listen to the story and they'll weep many times and they'll say, I never heard that before. And many will come to know Jesus Christ and and I'm on a quest my personal life. I'm trying to win one for every day I've been alive. And I'm not going to give you uh, any more stats than that, but I'm ahead of the schedule. I'm just trying as a pilot, as a as a businessman, I'm just trying my little way to reach the little world that I live in for Jesus. Because life is short. Heaven is real. Jesus is there, and he's the only way to get there. Oh, amen. It's amazing what you just said, because um, I got to tell you, uh, uh, several, several years ago, several years ago, as I was just beginning to feel powerfully led to get out of the world and 
focus more of my time on ministry work. You know, as the scripture says, be ye doers of the word, not just hearers of the word. Um, I I was talking to my sister, and, uh, and 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 each Christian, we're all part of this body, and this body's so amazing, and we all grow at different rates, and we it's like a giant ladder, and we have to progress on that ladder and that walk a step at a time at our own speed and the Lord will speak oftentimes just the right word at the right time to a person who's truly seeking him and my sister yeah amen and my sister said to me the most profound thing I I remember I was I was frustrated and disgusted I, I couldn't get through to people and I didn't know what to do, and I, I don't remember what I said, but she said to me, she said, Johnny, you're looking at this all wrong. You need to look at all of the people around you as thousands of people falling over a giant waterfall screaming for help and your job is to reach your hand out and grab them and pull wow. them out of that waterfall. Yeah, wow, a perfect example. Yeah, and it's folks, you know, uh, uh, tribulation-now.org, uh, that's our main website, you know, and also we're going to give uh, Brother Dale's website out to everybody. But folks, you know, we have uh, uh, in the black banner section uh, at the top of the uh, website, we've got flyers that you can print out if you're shy. You can print out flyers. You can put them on people's cars. You can get, uh, if you email me at jbaptist777 at gmail.com, I'll send you business cards that you can hand out to people. There's things that you can do to generate conversation to help people understand that we are on the Titanic. As a matter of fact, folks, look around you. Look at what's happening in the Middle East. The boat's already hit the iceberg. <laughs> yeah. Hey, yeah. Matt? Yeah. It's so true, and and let's let's grab everybody that we can. I play golf with this guy, my neighbor, and uh, I have been just uh, praying, and he's been so closed and so certain of his of his eternal destination, and so closed and so closed, and yet he'll listen to me anytime I want, but he won't pray, he won't open his heart anyway. Just uh, a month ago. Uh, about uh, he had a scare at the doctor's office. And I went to him, and he wanted to just talk about golf. And I said, Carmen, okay, if you're not going to talk about God now, when are you? You're in a hospital. You're, you're older than, some of the, the, than, than just about anybody around. You're 91 years old. When is it going to be time? He said, can we do it later? I said, we can do it later, sure. But just answer this one question: Why wait? What have you got to lose by by finding out about the free gift of salvation? Well, uh, a few minutes of uh, discussion. Next, he was holding my hand, and with his heart, with his heart, I know it. He prayed with me, and he looked at me with tears coming down. And he said, "Dale, why did I wait so long? Why would I wait so long?" I can't believe myself. I would wait this long. Well, that was the last time I saw him. Oh, praise Jesus. He was supposed to go to a simple little routine, 
and the doctors are going to give them a simple routine, but you know when you're 91 years old, when you go to the hospital these days with our medical system, you got to be darn careful because they gave him so much medication uh, that he went brain dead oh, with no. the simplest little operation. It was not an operation. That was the wrong word. It was a test. He was just having a test. Uh, but he he never came out of the coma. That was uh, medical-induced. And this is about the 50th person I know that has had this happen to him. Anyway, but he's in heaven now, and I'm so grateful. But I had to shake him. I had to press. I had to, in love, push a little bit harder on him than most people. But praise the Lord, he thanked me. He thanked me for coming there and pushing a little hard and uh, <laughs> my reward will be, you know, I just obeyed God. But uh, I get to see this guy again. We got to be, we get to be buddies again pretty soon. <laughs> Hallelujah! Thank you, Jesus. That's awesome. Yeah. Praise yeah. God. Did Praise you want to? Um, did Did you want to go ahead and help everybody understand where they can go to find out more information about your ministry and your website? Well, yeah, that's fine, and thank you for asking. The book is called Flight to Heaven. I'm Captain Dale Black, and uh, our web address is daleblack.org. It's kind of simple. Dale is uh, D-A-L-E, black, like the color, uh, .org. And uh, you can find the book Flight to Heaven anywhere, online anywhere, audio, Kindle, paperback, hardback, uh, large print, pretty much anywhere you go. And, uh, of course, our publisher, Bethany House, would love to have your listeners uh, purchase their books at a Christian bookstore if possible. Uh, But uh, your readers do whatever they want to do. Oh yeah, amen. It blessed me. Praise God. And and there's gobs of information. Um, uh, Brother Dale's uh, testimony is also out on YouTube, so you can just type, go to YouTube.com and type, you know, um, "Flight to Heaven," uh, Captain Dale Black, and it'll come up, and you'll be able to hear, you know, and share. That's the important part, folks. This, what's really important, it isn't all about you edifying yourself. It's about taking an opportunity to share the testimony with other people. Praise God, you know, so, so. What a wonderful blessing! Thank you so much for coming on and giving this testimony to everybody. This, I, I'm, I'm telling you, my life has been changed, and I, you know what, I, I, I bawled like a baby. I'm, I'm gonna, I, I mean, I don't even know what to say. I thank you so much, brother, for coming on the show. God bless you for, for, for getting out there and telling people about this because it, it, we're, we're not talking about. This is multi. This is lines upon lines, precepts upon precepts. We're talking about an understanding not just of the supernatural, multidimensional, unexplicable, amazing colors and flowers and water and crystal rivers of life and golden temple and God and the light permeating. It's not just that. It's the love and the oneness of the people in heaven and where we're going and and also what we have to do to get there it's not it's not a willy wonka golden ticket in through a wide gate folks it's a narrow gate folks praise jesus let's go ahead and close with a prayer brother yeah will you you believe with me Oh, absolutely, John. Oh, praise bet. God. Praise God. All right. Dear Heavenly Father, everybody, everybody, praise in the name of Lord. Jesus, 
every head bowed, every eye closed. In the name of Jesus, Father God, we just yeah. thank you. We thank you for this opportunity to leverage this technology on a global level to reach out to people who can't get to churches. We just thank you, Father, for this opportunity you, to have an electronic ecclesia, to find the truth, to be able to share things which we can't find yeah. in our typical churches, Father God, to yeah. hear the Praise testimony, you. the awesome stories, the truth of what awaits us if we if we be ye doers of the word and not just hearers of the word, Father, we thank you. We thank you for this wonderful opportunity to learn about the things of your heavenly world that, that we long to become a part yeah. of. Help Praise each and every one of us. In Jesus' name, yeah. Lord God, help each and every one of us seek ye first the kingdom and your righteousness, Father, so that we all may make it through the narrow Praise gate. The Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you, brother. Amen. John, you're the probably the most easy person I've ever talked to on, on before, and you're full of the love of God, and I, I just love you, brother, and, and I want to say I really respect you. I respect you a lot for what you're doing and how you're doing it. Man, you're the real deal. Praise the Lord. You are too, brother. God bless you. Thank you. Thank you, Kenneth. Thank you, Captain Thank you, Black. God bless you. We love God you. God bless you. We'll talk to you soon again. I'll see you soon, brother. Big okay, Jesus brother. hug for you and your Amen. wife, Paula. God bless you. Bless you, too. Thank you. All right. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. I shall lift my obedient children to the clouds, for they shall see my glory. <laughs> 